welcome back to the Med School Tutors Podcast, your resource for high-yield tips and proven guidance to help reduce stress and give you tangible tools for success from pre-med through residency and the boards. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Um, My name is Sana, and I am one of your hosts for today's webinar. Today, we're going to be discussing the supplemental ERAS application first time. So this is new for all of us um, at MST as well. So we're hopeful that we can sort of guide you through and give you, A, all of the information that has been put out there about what this application is, and B, give you some of our tips as to what's going to guide you uh, guide you through it. So as I mentioned, I'm Sana. I've been with MST for I think almost five years now. And um, I'm one of the um, senior tutors as well as the residency consultants. And um, I'll let my co-host introduce herself as well. I am Sarah. I'm really happy that all of you are here with us this evening. Um, I am also a senior tutor and residency consultant. I've been with MST for I think about six years now. Um, and we're really excited to talk with you about this supplemental application because I know it's been causing a lot of people a lot of stress. So hopefully we can alleviate some of that tonight. All right. So a little bit about what we'll cover. Um, again, as I mentioned, we're going to go through the facts. We're going to go through the dates, what is actually involved in this application, what sort of activities, et cetera, what what are the components? Um, we're going to talk about practical steps you can take in A, filling out this application and B, sort of game planning, um, how to send out your, uh, how to send this out. And then throughout the evening, please feel free to use our chat to send in any questions. We'll try to answer as we go along, but we'll have a live Q&A at the end of the webinar to go through anything um, additional. So, Just to give you an introduction to us at MST, in case you've not uh, seen us before, we are a service that helps people along the entire medical pathway from applying to medical school all the way through advanced boards once you're in residency. And we have people from a diverse group of backgrounds who can kind of help you with any question that comes up. If you have any questions at all after our webinar or you want to meet with one of us or one of our other fabulous consultants, you can reach us at any of the links or numbers listed at the bottom there. All right, getting into what is the supplemental ERAS application. So what what this is, is this is a brand new supplement that's uh, coming out this year, which is specifically for IM, general surgery and dermatology applicants. And the idea behind this application is to take a holistic approach at the applicant and provide you the opportunity to fill in information that isn't traditionally covered in the normal ERAS application. And so we'll get into what those different things are, um, but the idea is to sort of help better specify and narrow down your field because those are those are often fields where people are applying to a lot of programs. There are a lot of different types of programs. Um, and so this should hopefully help narrow for you and for the programs who, who would be a good fit. What's also important is that not all programs within these specialties are participating. Um, So please make sure you take a note of which, you know, which places are participating and not that you maybe may or may not be applying to. And it's only one application. So you don't need to send it, fill out multiple different iterations. It's just one. It goes out to all of the places that you uh, send it to. So even within the three specialties, there are some nuances. So for medicine, it's for everyone, prelim medicine programs and categorical programs. 
For surgery, though, it's only for categorical applicants, not for your prelim programs. And obviously, and dermatology is for everyone. The timeline for this is um, a little bit different. Um, so as you know, from your regular ERAS, so this has a somewhat separate timeline from your regular ERAS application. So there are two windows um, during which they're released in batches. So similar to the normal ERAS one, September 1st through September 19th. If you submit during that time period, your application, your supplement application will be sent to programs on September 29th. If you submit between September 20th and September 30th, that will be submitted on October 6th. And anytime you send after September 30th, so October 1st onwards, that will be sent in weekly batches to the programs. And so Sarah and I, if you've been on webinars with Sarah and myself before, um, we tend to agree that the earlier, the better. Um, so try and get it in early. Try to be in that first batch that gets released on the 29th because many programs um, do care about that and will really look at pro, uh, applicants who come in their first batch more preferentially. So just get it done. Get it done as soon as you do the regular ERAS and um, check that box early. Okay. So actually getting into what is this application? There are three main sections. So we're going to go through each one in a lot of detail. The first one is describing five meaningful experiences. So it's a little bit confusing because I know you are filling out all of your experiences in the main ERAS application. This has a bit of a broader definition. So you can include, you know, educational experiences, teaching, any work experience or research you've had, volunteering, even things like hobbies, sports, clubs, um, anything that's impacted your journey to medicine. And the idea here is rather than the main ERAS application, which is kind of like a CV where you just sort of list what you did in each experience, in this one, you are going to describe how that experience was meaningful and how it influenced your decision to apply into the specialty that you're applying into. So it also allows you to have a section um, to describe an impactful experience that is a non-traditional experience. So this can be anything that may influence your path. So whether you had financial hardships, um, family illnesses, something about your family background, um, immigration status, anything that there's not really a space in the main ERAS application to explain, this is a good place to say, you know, kind of how this influenced your application. And you can use it to kind of explain, you know, if you had to work three jobs during medical school, that might explain why you don't have a ton of research experience. So it can be a way to kind of round out who you are as a person. I don't know if you have anything else to add, Sana. No, I think you nailed it. I mean, the big thing is this is, I think this is really what drives home the idea of this more holistic part of this application. Um, because as Sarah said, there's so much that can be a part of your, you know, life experience that is not like research, education, volunteer work. Um, so I think that this is this is really the, the key part of what will make this application useful um, for many applicants. Okay, perfect. Um, okay. I think I missed one, yes. <laughs> okay, so, um, so the five meaningful experiences, what this really is, is so as Sarah described, you're gonna talk about which of the five, or which of, 
up to five are um, the most important to you. And I think this is different from your regular ERAS application in that you're really talking about the experience and how it affected you. The normal ERAS application, you're doing a lot more of these were my responsibilities. This is the actual things that I did. This is more of an opportunity to discuss sort of why this was impactful, why this was important in more prose form. And for um, impactful experiences that you overcame, so this would be that second section that Sarah was mentioning, you can use up to 750 characters. Um, so again, you can use a little bit more, uh, speak a little bit more about sort of the, the different situations that people have been through. I think the key things that we, um, we recommend is my first would be to use sort of a diverse range of things, unless you have like one very cohesive story and you're trying to build a story based around, you know, volunteer work. And you have a lot of experiences that sort of uh, talk about that. And that's really important to you. I think that can be a useful way to construct that story. But I think the Another really important thing is to use a diverse group of experiences that really paint the pieces of who you are, because most people have a lot of different interests and hobbies and things that make them a part of medicine, as opposed to one, you know, passion that they, which is also great, but, you know, just depending on what kind of person you are, I think that the diversity applies to a lot more people. Another thing is, again, these can be expansion of things that are on ERAS. Like I said, ERAS is more like bullet. This is what I did. This is what I did. This is what I did. This is an opportunity to sort of discuss why you did it and how it affected you. And then hardships can be a great place to address red flags. We have, I'm sure um, many of you have probably seen on YouTube, we have rabbit webinars where we discuss red flags in great detail and how to go into them. The hardships section is really a built-in red flag section for you to discuss things that you were Concerns that may give um, give programs pause when looking at your applications is a great opportunity to sort of discuss them and go into, you know, what happened, how you grew from it, why you'll be a better doctor for it. I think the only thing I might add um, is just to make sure you don't repeat things you've put in your personal statement. Because I know we use the personal statement a lot to also talk about personal experiences, red flags. So try to fill in any gaps that you think you didn't get a chance to fill in in the main application. For sure. So section two um, is where you get to signal to programs about your geographic preferences. So first, this is only for DERM and IM. Surgery doesn't get this section. And basically what you can do is you can choose three regions and on the AAMC website, they have the map, which is not necessarily intuitive about what those regions are. So I'd take a look um, and you can pick three of them and then use 300 characters to explain why for each of those three, you um, prefer to go to that region. Your second option is to say that you have no region preference and then you can use 300 characters to say, why you don't really have a preference about where you train. And then the last option is to say that you do not wish to communicate a preference and then you don't fill out or write anything. It just, you don't communicate a preference to any of the programs. So what's the other side of this is what do the programs actually see once you send that in? So the first is if you select a preference, for example, if you say Northeast as one of your preferences, 
the programs that are in the Northeast will be able to see this applicant said they would like to be in the Northeast. However, other programs, a program in Texas, for example, will not be able to see where you put. They won't be able to see that you put the Northeast. However, they will be able to see that you did not put Texas. So, or, you know, the region that falls, that Texas falls into. So they'll know if you put their area and they'll know if you didn't put their area, if that makes sense. So that's the first option, if you do put a preference. The second is if you say, I have no preference, then all programs will see that you said you have no preference. So they'll say, okay, this applicant has no preference, whatever, and they'll see that little 300 word blurb that you put in. The last will be, do not wish to communicate. In this case, app, uh, the programs will be able to see that you didn't preference, but so I, the best way to word this, I guess, is they will not know they will just see that you did not pick them. So this is almost as if they saw, it's the same as putting a preference in terms of what programs can see. So people will not know that you didn't put the Northeast. They'll just see that you didn't put them. So they won't know if you put the Northeast or if you put do not wish to communicate. So they won't know that you put did not wish to communicate. They'll just know you didn't put their section. So kind of some general tips about how to approach this. For most people, I would say, and obviously everyone's situation is different. It's probably to your benefit to say that you have no preference. You don't want programs that you might be very interested in, even if they're in a region you're not as interested in to not want to give you an interview because they see that you didn't signal that you want to be in the Midwest. It can be a little bit limiting to pick three regions if you're someone who's going to be applying all over the country. However, if you are someone who truly is regionally limited, you know, you have a partner who can't leave a certain area, you need to be near family, whatever it is, then this could be a great opportunity for you to signal to the region or regions closest to where you need to be. And I think the key thing here is that there's really no benefit to saying you do not wish to communicate. It has all the downsides of picking regions and none of the upsides of picking regions. So either say you have no preference and then describe how you're going to be so excited to train anywhere in the country or tell the three regions that you're interested in why you're interested and give them a good reason of why that's where you want to be. Perfect. All right. So another part of the setting preferences, so there's geographic preference, which is, you know, what part of the country you want to practice in. You can also designate a preference for urban or rural practice settings. Um, and so this can be the, the three categories they provide are no flight and strong preference. And you again are able to give an explanation. This it's again, it's the exact same thing. They can see what you put if you're in their area. Um, so in general, same tips apply. For most people, I would put no preference because you can again provide that same thing of I am super excited to practice in any setting. Um, but unless you do, if you do have a strong preference, absolutely. But I certainly would not 
put a preference to try and game the system. If you have a legitimate reason why you want to be in one area, absolutely use this opportunity. Um, but the best thing to keep your options broad and open is to say no preference. Okay, section three. This is the one that I think is the hardest. Um, and it's also the hardest, I think, for us to give advice because it's going to be very individualized how to approach this. The overall thought is that you can signal to specific programs that you're very interested in them. A big caveat here is that you cannot signal to your home program or sub-I programs. This is really to your benefit because those programs already know that you have an interest. Um, so it's supposed to be to other programs. For dermatology, you can pick three. And then for general surgery and IM, you can pick five. The key thing here is that the, so the first thing I'll say is that per, there's no ranking within this preference signal. Like they don't know that this is my first choice, this is my second choice, this is my third choice. That is not specified. All it says is you are one of my top three or five programs. That's all this indicates. So for those three to five programs, great. They will get a preferential signal. However, programs will also be able to tell if they are not one of your top three to five programs. So grain of salt. So this is uh, this is very individualized. And I think it's, this is one of the most, I think, strategic sections where you have to sort of be smart about who you signal and who you don't signal. You should ideally signal a mix of rank or of reach and sort of more safety programs. Because, you know, if you signal all five of your IM spots to reach programs, that's great. But you preferencing them doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to, you know, rank you higher. So I think that it's important to just have some on there that you're demonstrating. I'm also very interested in you that you have a legitimate, you know, a good shot at um, just to sort of game, game it as much as you can. And definitely talk to someone about this. This is, this is the thing where you should talk to an advisor, talk to your program director, talk to one of us about what makes sense to reach out to based on what your goals are and what your scores are and what your sort of application looks like. Um, so very tricky and a little bit of a, a little bit of politics on this one, but that's, that's the game. And someone had a question about home versus sub-I programs, just to clarify your home program is the medical school is, I guess the residency affiliated with the medical school you are at. Um, and sub-I's, if you do any away rotations, um, at any programs as a fourth year medical student, those ones you can signal as well. So kind of our overall last tips. Um, the AAMC website released, I think it's like a 65-page PDF that goes through each section and how exactly to fill it out. Um, so I would take a look at that before you start the application because it goes through both the very fine detail logistics as well as the overall um, kind of thought behind each section. On the same website, you can also double check all the programs you're applying to, to even see if they're participating, because that can also help you figure out which programs to signal. Um, if your top three are not participating, then you can kind of use those signals to uh, explore some other programs. 
And then the last thing, which I know we've said about five times already is this is a brand new section. No one knows exactly how it's going to go. I know it's extremely stressful, um, but please feel free to reach out to us for help. Um, we will help you kind of look at your application and try to figure out um, how to best approach, especially the last section. Perfect. And so we're going to be moving into our Q&A section very shortly. So please feel free to um, send in any questions into the chat box now. While we're waiting for some of the questions to filter in, I'm just going to briefly talk about what we do at MSG on the residency consulting side. Um, so really, one of the things that we're, or a lot of the things that we're very, um, very well trained in doing is helping applicants a craft sort of their personal statement, their CV and a story for how to, how to best sell themselves to residencies. We like to talk about red flags, or we like to sort of go through how to best talk about red flags as Sarah mentioned. Um, we do webinars on that as well. Um, and then we also provide interview prep practice, um, helping you make select which programs A to apply to, B to interview at and C how to rank them. And then general strategy. Um, we are this year going to be doing a lot of work on this supplemental application um, and sort of how to how to best game this system um, and uh, strategize to sort of best um, put your best foot forward. Okay. So we a lot of things just suddenly popped up in the chat box. Awesome. Let's do it. So someone asked a very important question. So if you're someone applying to two different specialties, like let's say you're doing a prelim IM program and a dermatology program, I believe you are able to separately signal to those specialties. So you would get three dermatology signals and five for IM. Yes. The limits are only within the given specialty. Yeah. If you're applying to both categorical and prelim IM programs, then you would still be limited to five within internal medicine. Perfect. Okay, so one of these questions, okay, so I'm getting a few questions about specifying some of the, um, some of the geography. Um, so one of them is, should we use one of the regions to signal to our home region or will they assume we are interested given that we are in medical school in that region? So that's an interesting question. I wonder, that is an interesting question. I'm, I'm not sure. I guess my thought would be that you wouldn't need to um, and that you could use those three sort of areas to use other, to signal to other areas. Um, but I don't, I don't know for sure. I, this is a lot of like conjecture and opinion at this point. So my, my initial thought would be that you don't need to, and you can use those to signal other programs. But what do you think, Sarah? I think it's a little bit tricky um, as we don't know necessarily how much stock programs are going to put into this uh, geographic signaling. So a program in your region may wonder why you didn't signal to that region. I would say if you're someone who's applying broadly to four or more regions, it's still probably in your benefit not to signal to any. Mm. Yeah. yeah. If you're someone I only applying in one, two, or three, then definitely go ahead and signal. Perfect. That actually answers my next question I had for you. If you're only applying to three, should you signal? Yes, definitely. If you're applying to less than three geographic regions, and again, 
check on the website, what state is in what region, because it's based off the census data. So just triple check. But yes, in that case, definitely doesn't hurt you. All right. Um, someone asked about prelim. So again, for medicine, it's prelim and categorical, but for general surgery, it is just categorical. I think there's still some confusion. Um, someone asked if the sites outside the preferred geography wouldn't know that we didn't pick them. So that would that hurt us? So they can tell you that you did not pick them. Um, so if you pick three regions, they will be able to tell that you did not pick their region. So that's why we've been saying, if you're someone who's applying broadly, it's probably better to say no preference. Yeah. Um, another great question we just got is how to navigate program signaling, given that your program preferences may change during the interview season. Um, so that's a, that's a really great point. And I think that one thing that um, a lot of people do uh, after the conclusion of interview seasons is send a quote unquote love letter um, to their top program of choice. I think that what is, um, I think this is sort of an initial screening so that this, I imagine, will hold not quite as much weight as the love letter will um, at the end of the season because, you know, you haven't submitted your rank list yet. These are sort of broad preferences without any commitment. Um, so I think that it's programs understand that this may change. And I think that they will have to understand that. I think that the big thing is you can sort of put out what you think is um, what you think your preferences might be, but with the understanding that that may change. Definitely. And the AAMC had a webinar for program directors where they sort of recommended or highly uh, instructed program directors to use this application for the interview phase only that this should be a tool to help them offer interviews, but not really evaluate people after that. All right. A few of our applicants are asking about um, supplemental applications if they're applying to a specialty, um, like a, an advanced specialty with a prelim medicine year. So I think that, so, okay, so I'll specify. So for anyone applying into specialties such as Optho, derm, radiology, et cetera. So derm is a separate case because derm actually does have this. For optho, radiology, anesthesia, et cetera, the advanced programs are not a part of the um, of the supplemental application. TY programs are not a part of the supplemental application. And surgery prelim years are not a part of the supplemental application. The only scenario in which you should be using this application is if you are applying to prelim medicine years for those applicants. And in that case, you can, you know, fill it out as if you were applying to a prelim year. Um, and with, you know, you'll be able to specify that you're applying to prelim IM years and rank them accordingly and preference signal accordingly. Um, but you should, you will not be using it for anything else and you cannot use it for, you know, radiology, anesthesia, et cetera. It's only for these three specialties. And if you're a prelim, it's really only for prelim medicine. Definitely. And some people had questions about kind of programs that are or are not participating and how to approach that. So if a program has not registered to participate in the supplemental application, they will not be able to see any of this. Right. Um, so you should then choose 
three to five other programs to signal. Um, and you can kind of just count that program as kind of a freebie because they're not gonna know who you signaled, what you signaled, or what you wrote in this application. I guess one question, and I'm not sure that we know the answer to it, um, is how is this going to affect our IMG and FMG mm. applicants? Mm. So, yeah, go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, I, I can tell you what I think, and then we'll see what you think, Sana. Um, I think I think it can be of benefit to an IMG applicant, especially for this section about things you've overcome or non-traditional things that may have impacted your application. Um, I think using that 750 characters to really explain any limitations in your education or um, anything that impacted your path to practicing medicine in the U.S. Um, can be really helpful for you. Um, the, the geography is a little bit tricky. Um, I think for ING applicants, unless you have a good reason, you probably wouldn't want to limit yourself. And then the signaling is a little bit individualized. I don't know that I can say one way or another whether this is going to benefit or hurt our ING candidates. Yeah. What do you think, Sana? As usual, I completely agree with you. Um, I think the, the first thing is, I think that that sort of hardship section um, and that sort of additional life experience sort of area is going to be very, very helpful because I really don't think that there was a great place for that in the old, the traditional ERAS application. So particularly for people who have been maybe practicing for many years out in the community, um, in their home country, or, you know, have done a lot of interesting things before medical school that, you know, led them to, uh, go to uh, medical school and foreign medical school. I think that that's really the opportunity for you to talk about those life experiences and really give yourself a, give yourself a good picture of yourself as a, as a person and the geography again, agree, no preference if possible. If you do have an actual preference and certainly put it, but in most cases it will probably behoove you to not have one. And the actual um, program signaling, very, very individual based on, you know, maybe maybe geography, maybe, you know, what, what you know of the program in terms of their relationship with your medical school, hard to say in regards to that. So I think a question's come up from a couple of people just to clarify. Um, yeah. A few people have asked whether or not they should just not signal at all to not limit themselves. So I think we should separate signaling geography versus signaling to specific programs. Because right. signaling geography um, programs will be able to tell that you did not choose their region, but they will be able to see if you say you have no preference. When you're signaling to an individual program, those programs will be able to see that you signaled. Everyone else will just know that they did not get a signal, so they won't be able to know whether you just chose not to participate or you signaled other programs. So right. for the individual program signaling, it really is to your benefit to use up those three to five signals um, to try to increase your chances at those programs. Right. And again, I think, uh, the big thing is if anyone has any questions about their individual circumstance, um, or their own sort of, uh, chances and what they should do given their stats application, et cetera, please feel free to, you know, reach out to us. All of our contact information is on the bottom of the bottom of the slide here. And we're, we're more than happy to, um, 
to talk to you through, talk you through sort of what's been, what makes the most sense for you. Uh, the only other thing that I'll note that we, um, we did want to mention about this year is that the um, AAMC has recommended that all interviews be virtual this year. We sort of expected that to be the case, um, but that is that is in fact now the official guidelines. Um, so we expect that all interviews will will end up being virtual. Um, and so just wanted to make sure I said that before we left. Um, but yeah, so any any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, we hope this was helpful. Um, please take a chance to fill out that survey. That would be really helpful to us in future webinars. Um, and thank you again. Hope to see you all at the next webinar. We hope this was helpful and that it took some of the guesswork out of the equation for you. If you have any questions, or would like one-on-one -on -one tutoring, get in touch with us via our website, medschooltutors.com, via email at hq at medschooltutors.com, or give us a call, if you're old school like that, at 212-327-0098. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, share, and review us on your podcast app. And if you want more helpful, free information, visit our blog, Check us out on social media at MedSchoolTutors or visit our forum at usmletutors.com. Thanks for listening. Be well. <laughs>